Bidzy's Small Business Society number 114. You're listening to Bidzy's Small Business Society. I'm Rob Beresoff. We talk to small business owners about what makes their small business successful. Connect with Bidzy's Small Business Society at bidzy.com and grow your business. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers post projects for free in any of over 100 categories, including all types of home renovation, landscaping, cleaning services, photography, and many, many more. Now, if you're a business, Bidzy.com is a great way to find new customers because you are automatically notified each time a customer posts a project in your subscribed categories. So for example, let's say you own a roofing company and a customer posts a project in our roofing category. You are automatically notified via email or text and you can submit a bid at bidzy.com or use our internal chat system to introduce yourself to the customer and give them reasons why they should use you to complete their project. Monthly subscriptions start at $14.99. That's $14.99 per month for unlimited access to new customers and unlimited bidding at bidzy.com. Email rob at bidzy.com for more details or start your 30-day free trial now at bidzy.com. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Bidzy Small Business Society. Today, I am chatting with Mark Angelo Coppola. Mark is the founder of Superhero Academy, which is a company that strives to empower social entrepreneurs and sustainable business leaders to be bold, dynamic, and engaging storytellers that will change the world through their actions and the movements they help to inspire. Mark defines success with unconventional measures and has earned a living by applying the skills of entrepreneurship and marketing for a cause. Welcome to the show, Mark. Can you first tell us more about yourself and what project or projects you're working on today? <laughs> yes, thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, I, look, to, to talk about the projects that I'm working on is uh, it's always complicated. It's always a complicated question because I'm actually you've got lots going on, man. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's serious. It, it, it's gone to a level that uh, even I am scratching my head, wondering like, how did this happen? <laughs> so um, you know, to dive into it a little bit, I you know, I would what I would call myself is a philanthropist. So, uh, you know, an entrepreneur who really kind of takes on the world's biggest challenges, who's who's really doing this for more than money, right? For for the other ROI, I like to call it the the ripple of impact, the the impact that comes out of the movements and the organizations and the businesses that entrepreneurs can create to actually impact the planet, to actually have an effect on things like climate change or the drought or world hunger or poverty or whatever that looks like. And so I ended up starting um, a nonprofit organization a couple of years back known as the Valhalla Movement. And the entire movement is predicated on building the world we know is possible in our hearts. It's, it's really proliferating what I would call freedom culture which is to empower and encourage all individuals to spread their unique gifts to the world, right? I believe that everybody out there, entrepreneurs and, and you know, nine to fivers alike, we are all just looking for freedom. We're all looking to be able to do the things that we are most excited about. And so allowing that to be uh, a reality, we also need to do that in, in coercion with a balance of the ecosystem and the planet, right? I really believe that we are headed down a path 
that is very, very, very bleak and very scary in so many ways. But I think there's also a lot of hope within all of this. And so personally, I have always found hope through um, and I've always learned through stories and particularly documentaries. I, you know, spent a year in 2010, decided that I was going to watch a documentary a week. And needless to say, it was a fairly depressing year, right? I mean, just I learned about so many of the world's uh, problems and plights. But what I really kind of came to understand further is that we can do something about it, that we aren't too small to take on some of these challenges, that you know, people like Gandhi and, and Oprah and Elon Musk and, and anybody you look up to, these are everyday people. And that we can be everyday superheroes if we decide to commit ourselves to these causes, to these problems, and, and, and make a difference. And so a few years ago, back in 2012, when I, when I started the Valhalla Movement, I knew nothing about sustainability. I knew nothing about building an off-grid community. I knew nothing about building a school. I knew nothing about solar panels and gardening and, and all of these things that I you know, have now dove uh, headfirst into. But what I knew was about storytelling. I had studied marketing and entrepreneurship. This is something that I was passionate about. I had started a, a marketing agency and it was all started on the premise of building a community of people who all use what I call a collective flag. So all use a collective banner or collective brand and use that to empower ourselves and the tribe consistently. And so when I went out into the middle of this, you know, this GMO corn and soya field, uh, a field that I did not own at the time, I basically went out into this field and I planted a tree. And I claimed at that moment that I was dedicated to building a school for sustainability and a school that was going to teach the better ways, the better practices that I felt um, I was, had learned through, uh, you know, watching all of these documentaries and stuff. And so what was really powerful was not only my commitment in that one moment, but also what became enormously powerful was the fact that I pulled out the most powerful tool that we all have in our pockets, which was my phone. And I took a picture and by taking that picture and posting it on Facebook and Instagram, people started asking me questions. And the story of this movement that I had no name and, and you know, really came out of, you know, my, my, my anger really more than anything and, and my, my feeling that I absolutely needed to do something, um, it started to grow and it started to carry. And more and more and more people started to join and, and partake. And then we started getting way more, you know, uh, visitors. And both online and offline, I was seeing a response of people like, you know, showering us with compliments saying, wow, you guys are building the, the world of my dreams. You guys are building the houses and the, and the communities that I've always wanted to live in or that I want to be a part of. How can I help? How can I be a part? How can I be, how can I help um, make this a reality? And so I had answers over time. And, and one day somebody came to, to the land, the physical 66 acre piece of land in which we are now building a sustainability learning center. And somebody came and they, and they came and asked me a question and they said, so what are you guys going to teach her at this school? Like, what are you going to teach? And I started saying, you know, permaculture and, and uh, sustainable uh, construction and, and small-scale farming and all of these other answers. But the person looked at me and were like, no, wait a second. What are you going to teach? And I kind of – I'd been stumped. I'd been working on the project for two years to build the school. And I, you know, been planting trees. I'd been, uh, you know, researching and building a whole bunch of what I would call hippie texture style buildings and, uh, you know, 
architecture that's 100% off the grid. We had, you know, purchased the land. We had done all of these crazy things, but I never actually stopped to think about what I would actually teach in this school. And, and my love for superheroes, my love for where this all came from, my inner kind of feelings of wanting to be like Batman, right? Or Bruce Wayne, if you will. <laughs> Um, those kind of started to surface and I basically ended up having the answer that I wanted to build a school for superheroes. And so that's where Superhero Academy was born. Uh, and now it's, you know, it's a thriving online and offline school in which, you know, it operates like a belt system. It's really like a, you know, a martial arts or a Taekwondo or something like that, where, you know, from white belt to black belt, students can go all the way from having no idea exactly what they want to do to picking an idea, building a story, building a tribe, both internally, you know, uh, so you're, you're the tribe that you work with and also an audience and then mastery, really using and, and finding the niche and the skills and the things that you really want to bring to this world and empowering yourself to do that. Uh, in, a, in a financially sustainable way, but also in a way that is impactful uh, to the rest of society and to our planet. And so uh, it's just mushroomed. It's just gone from, you know, a couple of online classes with a couple of students to you know, more and more and more people reaching out, more and more people uh, visiting our website, uh, just more and more people uh, partaking and, and coming for mentorships here in Montreal or in Costa Rica or all these crazy trips and things that we've been doing. So it's, it's been a journey even for me. Well, Mark, what a story, man. And we've only scratched the surface here. So, I mean, so much in there. First, I just want to say I often like to freak myself out with those documentaries, kind of talking about, uh, you know, the energy crisis, the hunger crisis. That's a good way to get a lot of inspiration on uh, how we can uh, sort of tackle some of these problems too. Mm -hmm. So now I want to talk more about this. Now, many people kind of focus on themselves and their own monetary success at all costs. Now, the answer might be obvious, but I want to hear your version of it. But why do you instead choose to do social good as that philanthropist? Well, I think, to be honest, I really believe that what I would call the fourth sector economy is actually the thriving, fastest growing you know, business sector out there. So not only do I believe that, you know, this is the right thing to do and, and, you know, that motivates us to some degree, right? Like we, we definitely are social creatures. We definitely want to create and leave an impact. Um, and, and the way I see it is my life is not based, you know, is not measured, uh, in dollars and cents. My success is not measured in how much I could amass personally. My success to me is more so measured in like legacy. What did I leave this planet with? How did I help? benefit society and the world around me? And how did I empower others? Because I believe that a social business really is putting people first. It's really putting the planet first. It's really putting the needs of the greater good, if you will, first before myself. And when I do that, I've only noticed that literally the, this sector has been an explosion of growth. I don't need to pay, I don't pay dollars in marketing you know, marketing dollars. I don't, I don't run Facebook ads. I don't do things like that because the story itself carries. So not only do I believe this is the, the best good that we can create for our world, but I actually believe it's the best strategy business wise too. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a diehard passionate entrepreneur and I'm also a philanthropist. And that's why I combine those, those two words, right. To be a philanthropist because I really feel like that is the case. And, and so now, you know, I recently did an article on founder magazine, for example, about the rise of philanthropist, uh, and, and this fourth sector economy, Great which article, is, by the way. Oh, thank you. And so, yeah, no, it so it talks about the fact that statistically 
um, and, and kind of financially, companies in this sector are actually outperforming, you know, regular run-of-the-mill corporations. We are seeing people running social enterprises perform and do and outcompete, you know, S&P 500 kind of stock companies and, and uh, some of these huge organizations that you would think would be, uh, you know, crushing it. These smaller, more nimble, kind of socially responsible organizations are, are making waves and making an impact. And so I believe the combination of that and the combination of people working together, right, removing their ego sometimes from like, oh, this needs to be my company and my business and, and I'm doing this on my own and I need all the recognition for such. If we recognize that if we work together or if we, if we combine our superpowers, kind of like the Justice League, you know, uh, then we can achieve more, right? If we're all worried about our own businesses, our own websites, our own Facebook pages, our own stuff, you know, some of us are not built for that. Like I'm not built necessarily to be the newsletter guy. Like I'm not built to, for being the, the, the best person to, to post on social media. I've learned it. I know it. I've been a, a you know, a student of that for a while now, but what I like to do is tell stories. What I like to do is make videos. What I like to do is, is design experiences on websites and stuff. So and, and I love connecting with people. So I'm focusing on what I do best and what I enjoy most, and I'm leaving room for other people to enter the organization and to, and to play the role that they want to learn, right? And that's, and that's where that whole freedom culture comes in. So I think not only does it make sense to do it for the planet, but it makes dollars and cents too. This is, this is the way of the future, and, and you're seeing it. You're seeing more and more people fight for the new currency, right? And the new currency is, is attention, Everyone is bidding for your attention. And in a world of, of eight-second videos and, and faster and faster consumption of online media, attention is becoming more and more scarce and more and more cheap. It's, it's tougher to, to capture it. It's tougher to get somebody to actually commit to something here and now in the physical as well. So we're entering a space in which people are starving for real content. They're starving for real substance and depth. And so that depth is not found in just making some cool video that shows that your business is green. It's actually living it. It's actually doing it. And so that's, that's where I've predicated my kind of uh, mentality on and my business mentality on. And that's what I feel has carried me forward. Can you talk more about this sector? So talk to the fledgling philanthropist. What sort of businesses are sort of niching down in, in this area? I think I think they're they're happening all over. I think there's not one sector that is you know more ripe for a philanthropist than the next, right? I think everything from you know energy, the energy sector, moving from away from fossil fuels and more into renewable energy is one thing. I think you know people like uh, SpaceX and going into in space exploration. There's a huge sector of what we need to figure out how to. Uh, responsibly, you know, go to space and how do we not like just throw all our garbage up in, into the ether now too. Um, I think there's, you know, tons and tons and tons of issues that are going to be surrounding water in the next uh, 15 to 20 years. Yep. I mean, you, we're talking massive, massive problems. By 2030, 50% of the world's water supply will be in dire water conditions. So, you know, the, the, the dealing of drought Right. Just the effects of, of drought, you know, even just in California, for example, right, where tons of the world's, world's food, particularly in North America, comes from California and they're experiencing massive droughts. Like I was there two years ago in January. I was in, in Yosemite, which is, you know, should be 
filled with snow and water. And I, I was looking at the the uh, the reserves of water that basically feed San Francisco, right? Like this is where San Francisco's water comes from. And it was like there was docks on the ground. Like it was so low that I, if I lived there, no joke, if I lived there and I saw that, I would run for the hills. Like I would pack up everything and move my life away from there immediately. Wow. Like that's how dire of a situation it is. So I don't think that there is a, a sector that is more important than others. I think technology has a huge role to, to play, um, but not technology. Like we don't need a world's the next Angry Birds app, right? That's not what we need. We need, you know, the next app that's going to connect us uh, in a way that is more powerful, like Uber or, or Airbnb, right? That, that democratized the, the power of, of business, and it allowed all of us to kind of crowdsource the world that we want. And so I think the, the real thing here, the real move that we're seeing is the world of crowdsourcing, right? We saw it grow when like Napster came out and music started being crowdsourced. And then we were able to illegally download movies and, and, and music and all this other stuff. And now we're seeing it evolve to transportation. We're seeing it evolve to uh, accommodations. We're seeing it evolve to uh, crowdfunding and, and, and all of these other things. So that's where it's going to continue to go. And and if you're building a business now, in my opinion, that is really utilizing the crowd and mobilizing crowds and, and democratizing it, uh, you are going to disrupt big business. And that's what's, that's what's happening. And it's happening all across the board. And you founded several companies in this space, and they're all successful. But just like we can't have the number one mark without the number zero, we often can't recognize that success without some failure along the way. So tell us, what sticks out in your mind as the biggest challenge you've had to overcome and what steps did you take to embrace it and overcome it? Yeah. So I, look, I, I face challenges all the time. And I think the biggest challenge that I face is focus, right? Like having built and run currently five organizations all at the same time, you can imagine that planning my day can be kind of difficult at times, right? <laughs> um, and so focus is my number one kind of uh, enemy sometimes. It's, it's what I'm striving for, but the, the kind of the distractions of all of these other things and so many people reaching out to me for help and my, and my, my consistent need to want to literally help everyone to answer every single Facebook message, to answer every single email. You know, those are things that I do not want to give up. Those are things that I, no matter what level of success or, or, you know, how many people are paying attention or how many emails we're getting, these are the, the basics of, of business, the basics of connection, the basics of, of building a movement in my opinion. And you know, what people don't know is that people think, oh, you started the Valhalla movement. Like this is amazing. Like you're, you're, you know, you're in your fourth year or your fourth season out there on the land, building this school and making this happen. Um, but the truth is that I'd had this idea when I was 17, you know, I had an idea of building a kind of a community center when I was 17. And my first business was actually an indoor skate park when I, that I had bought into at 18. It was, it was kind of failing and it was right before the financial crisis. I had done all kinds of crazy things to be, be able to kind of save as much money as possible to buy into this business at the time. And um, my goal at the time was to open it up and it was called a lounge at the time. I, you know, I, I grew up in suburbia here in Montreal and there was just a lack of spaces for which, you know, me and my friends could go and actually hang out. That wasn't a bar or a club. That wasn't some park where, you know, we were going to get in shit for being, um, you know, outside uh, or in the park after 11 or something like that. It was the space that we needed to have the real conversations that I felt always nourished me, where we can actually learn from one another. We can actually collaborate and we can actually build a tribe. 
And I had done everything possible to get a loan from the bank right before the financial crisis. And what it ended up, what ended up happening is that the day I, so I got it approved for $250,000 loan to build this community center, uh, inside my business, inside the skate park, uh, which I was a 50% owner of. And the day I went to collect the loan, the, the day I went to like sign the papers and actually receive the money in my bank account, the financial crisis had hit like literally 48 hours before that. And so the banks were like, well, you know, things are going a little crazy in the markets right now. So we're, we're just slowing it down. And, you know, some of our, our staff is a little bit busy dealing with, you know, moving some assets and doing some stuff. Why don't you come back next week and we'll, we'll take care of it next week. And then next week turns into next month and next month turned into next year. And so I had done all the work. I had, I should have gotten that loan right? We had a rent-free situation or not rent-free, but we are paying the rent already with our current business and they didn't give me that loan. They put a giant stick in my wheels. But what I can tell you is that out of that failure, out of the, the fact that, you know, I spent three years looking for that money, going out to, to every angel investor to, to, you know, looking for every grant bursary and loan that I could possibly go to. I went to every single Canadian major bank. I even started looking at American banks and doing everything I possibly could. It just wasn't going to happen, right? You know, funding a 19-year-old to build a lounge that, you know, served personalized pizza and beer wasn't <laughs> going to be the thing that, you know, people were going to take and put their, their money into at that time, particularly because restaurants were closing down left, right, and center. But what was really cool is that I ended up actually starting to build that lounge because I realized that I didn't need money to make my dreams come true. What I needed is what money bought me, right? What I needed is the actual resource. I needed an oven. I needed tables and chairs. I needed forks and knives to build this, this space, not money. Money was just the medium between that. And so I started to realize and, and shift into the mindset of value, right? Recognizing that providing value to somebody is worth something, right? It's worth, it's valuable. And so I started to connect failing restaurant owners with, you know, kind of equipment purchasers, people who bought, um, you know, all the kitchen equipment from failed restaurants. And so I would go on Craigslist and there was a restaurant owner saying, hey, you know, selling our microwave and all our, our restaurant stuff and all our equipment, you know, uh, anybody interested. I would contact those people and I'd say, you know what, I've got a person who's interested, but if I make them come in and they give you a good price, I want the oven or I want the microwave or I want those pots and pans. And I did this over and over and over and over again until I actually had every single piece of the lounge that I needed one after the other. So, and I did that all with no money. I had zero dollars and zero cents. I was working in my business. I was paying myself twelve fifty an hour, and but I was, you know, I was still in school and university full time. I was working full time. I had all of these things going on, but I was still able to do that by creating value for people. And so my biggest failure, let's say, it, you know, I don't necessarily attribute to myself. It was, you know, the same time as me learning about, you know, the bullshit of of money uh, to some degree, but that kind of came to make me recognize that I could create value for people. And so, you know, to any entrepreneur who's listening to this, really focus on what is the value that you are serving to people. And that's, that's what I really think about when I, when I build a business, when I build um, these organizations is what is this movement really creating? What is it really doing that's helping people and how is that valuable to them? And how do we how do we empower them with that knowledge and with that, with that value as much as possible? And everyone returns that favor uh, at that point. I, I think if you build a business on that, you know, it will always come back uh, tenfold. 
Now, besides doing some good out there in the world, Mark, what rewards do you take away from entrepreneurship? What does the success really look like to you on a day-to-day basis? I think success to me looks like the community of people that I get to surround myself with and learn from every day. You know, the freedom that I have and the, and the luxury and the gratitude that I have for being able to have traveled the world, for being able to inspire movements and get people off the ground to, to get them to achieve the impossible, for example, right? I ended up writing this list called the impossible list. Uh, and, and I, you know, now I created it into a little system. People can go to my website and, and, and fill out their own impossible list. And it's just writing out a list of all the things that you thought, um, you would never achieve, right? Things that might be quote unquote impossible, like maybe flying, uh, or things that maybe aren't quite impossible, but that were improbable in your mind, like going to space or planting a million trees or building a school. Well, I felt like now the rewards that I get is that I get to, to fill out and to, to check off some of those list items. And it's not about how many I check off. It's not about whether or not I'm successful at, at, you know, crossing off something off my list any given day, but it's about the effort and the journey that I have going towards it. Because I don't believe happiness is a destination. It's not going to come when I, when I, you know, have millions in my bank account. It's going to, it's really a way of travel. It's really a way of, of journeying and being in a day-to-day basis and, and, you know, we have you know, a kind of a stoic philosophy. The only thing we have is the now, right? We've learned from our past and we can use that in the now and we can always project into the future, but we have right here and right now. And so I focus on doing the best thing that I can do in any one given moment towards my dreams, towards any one of those impossible list items and not focusing on the fact that there's only one of them, right? I think a lot of people get caught up in like, oh, I don't know what my higher purpose is or they're, they're really chasing this one thing. And, and it kind of, Um, it's, it's, it could be ever elusive sometimes. So you, you should have ways that you also achieve smaller dreams, smaller, sillier things. Like, you know, one of the things I've always wanted to do is be a scuba dive instructor by the time I'm 40. I have no intention of actually, you know, doing that for a living. I have, I intend to bring people scuba diving and teaching them because I believe that, you know, uh, that's the best way for them to, to, uh, be empathetic towards our oceans and the the destruction that we're creating within them sometimes. But it's just a way of me kind of achieving things that I've always felt were, were powerful. Um, and really a lot of the, the, the list items on my impossible list actually deal with a lot of others and the impact that I have on other people. And so I, I really focus on, um, my level of success and, and when, what the happiness that I get out of this is how much can I give, you know, the more I can give, the more happy and empowered and, 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 joyous that I feel about everything that I do. A recurring theme here is that, you know, you're talking about checking off those things on your impossible list. You're talking about, you know, leaving a legacy. You're talking about empowering others. I think the recurring theme here is that you just want to be a person of significance, Mark, right? Exactly. I mean, the simple word is superhero. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Now, Let's switch it up a little bit here. Let's get into your wheelhouse, man. Why is it so important to have a coach or a mentor? Oh, it's absolutely crucial. Oh, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the f- single best decision I've ever made in it for my business ever. Um, and to be honest, I have to say that when I first had the idea of like hiring a coach, I actually thought it was useless. I was like, ah, oh, this is, 
this is really, you know, this is not for me. And they're, they're just peddling a whole bunch of nonsense and uh, like, nah, like these are, you know, coaching coaches, coaching coaches, how to be coaches. Like <laughs> it just, it was a very ancestral to me. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of the people who I would meet in the coaching industry, uh, I just didn't feel were doing it for anything more than themselves. And, and they weren't really contributing to in any bigger way, um, and into something more. But I, I have since realized that having somebody in your corner is the most empowering thing that you can do for your business and for your psyche and for the speed at which you can make decisions and for the, the certainty that you can have by, by having somebody to bounce ideas off of. And you know, guess what? Like your family and friends are great people to kind of talk about things with from time to time. But if you have a dedicated hour a week or something like that, or even more sometimes to just bounce ideas off of, to just, you know, make an assessment of what happened that week and what you should be focusing on next and, and, and how can we adjust the sales, you know, all of that culminates in, in being way, 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 way more clear on what you need to do next and what your, your, best course of action could be to 10 X your business or to, or to impact more people or to, um, to achieve the highest of greatness. And the way I see it is every single person who has ever been a professional athlete who has achieved and broken world records, every single entrepreneur who has built billion dollar companies or has changed the world, every single person who has ever really achieved any form of greatness, in my opinion, has always had a mentor. They've always had somebody in their corner. They've always had a coach who pushes them further. You know why? Because here's the truth. I love to use the analogy of six-pack abs, right? So how many people on the planet want a six-pack? Everybody, right? Like almost everybody on the planet will want a six-pack. Maybe not everybody, but a large majority of people. Now, how many people on the planet know what it takes to get a six-pack? We, we all know what it takes to some degree. I mean, look, there's, all, there's different schools of thought as to what the best ab workout might be. But at the end of the day, you do some crunches and you eat well and you'll have a six pack. Like if you do that consistently over time, you will achieve having that, that six pack. Okay. And, and it's just a question of motivation and time. Okay. That being said, everybody wants the six pack. Everybody has the knowledge of, you know, what it takes to get it, but how many people actually have it? You see, the truth is, for me, is that knowledge is worth nothing unless it's applied. True wisdom is when knowledge meets action. And, and so that wisdom of, of not just knowing but doing and applying is what drives me. It's, it's, it's one thing to learn. It's another to be and to do and to, and to proliferate and to teach it's really puts it into a whole other realm. And so, you know, I, that's, that's kind of how I see things. For sure. And for our listeners who might be sort of bootstrapped entrepreneurs, home-based small business owners, Mark is not saying you need to go drop a whole bunch of money on a, you know, a paid coach. You could find the influencers out there that are speaking your language. Is that what you're saying as well, Mark? Absolutely. And, and look, your, your coach could be somebody who you pay. It could also be somebody who's just enormously passionate about what you're doing. It could be, uh, you know, somebody who, who has 
built this kind of business before and maybe you're going to take over their business, right? You know, you, you, you know, following somebody who has walked the path that you, that is similar to the one that you want to create. I mean, the, the greatness that comes out of learning from somebody else and being humble enough to recognize that people know more than you do and that you can learn something from them, even if it's just the wrong things and what not to do. There is so much that we can take away from other people, but I do believe that having that, that conversation consistently every week helps. And so, you know, I know that Michael Phelps, who, you know, gets a whole bunch of gold medals in the Olympics, needs a coach to push him because he's not going to swim that extra lap. He's not going to do that extra thing unless somebody is out there, you know, on the, on the, on the sides of the pool or in the pool with him saying, get to it, make it happen and, 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 you know, push it even further. Right. That's what makes us drive us forward. It, we, we need people to support us. We are social creatures and having that support and finding that support is crucial. And, and I didn't think it was, and no joke, dollars and cents wise, it, I've quadrupled my business basically by just hiring somebody just to talk to. And he's, and he's my best friend. You know, it's somebody who, it's somebody who I was already had a friendship with, and I don't necessarily feel that this person has even had more quote unquote success than I have. We just have different successes and he has different strengths than I do. And I have different strengths than he does. And by having that relationship and putting my skin in the game and paying for it and, and, you know, and, you know, it ensures that I show up It ensures that, you know, I said I was going to, you're going to do something and it's like betting on yourself, Right. Well, would you bet on yourself? Would you would you invest in yourself in that way? I don't see it as an expense. I see it as a total investment, and the ROI on that, um, both in ripple of impact and return on investment, uh, is probably the best thing you can do. Now, let me ask you this: Do you love to win or hate to lose, and why? I a little bit of both. A little bit of both. I, I hate to lose only if I'm unprepared. So I hate that. You know what I hate about losing is not whether or not I lose or win, I, I just, I, I will kick myself for the fact that I didn't prepare enough or if, or if I feel I didn't prepare enough. So if I did prepare enough, if I, if I put in an honest effort, if I did everything I possibly could to come out on top of something or to, to win quote unquote, then, then I'm okay with it. See, I, I focus not, not so much on the result of where I get, but on the effort that I put in within that. And so if I feel like I put the, the actual effort into winning or losing, then I'm, I'm happy about that. And, and the result itself is um, kind of unattached from, and it wasn't always the case, right? I, I didn't always feel that way. And in fact, I think the more I shed the result, the more the results actually show up. Uh, and it's a, it's a very weird uh, reality to, to, to experience, but it really is true. It's like looking at our businesses. You can't just look at that end result. It's all about that journey, right? Well, exactly. And, and here's, here's the truth. Even if you get the result that you, you have in your mind right now, like, so, you know, dear listener, you, you have this result, like, oh, I want to make a million dollars this year. Okay. You make a million dollars. Let's like snap forward into the future. And you now have a million dollars. Are you satisfied or do you now want $2 million? Right. We're always going to push the needle on what that result is and what we're looking for. And, 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 so if, as long as we realize that it's a moving target, then the, the real kind of, to me, again, the wisdom finds itself more in the process, more in the, in the dance. It's not about, you know, getting to the end of the song 
when it comes to dancing. It's about dancing throughout the song, right? <laughs> it's about like we're not rushing to the end of the song. We're not like skipping forward on when we're listening to music. We're listening to music. We're enjoying in the moment and dancing along with it. And so I don't see the result as the, the driver anymore. I have reframed to say, am I being the best I can be, you know, in any one moment? Am I treating my family? Am I treating my friends, my coworkers, uh, the people who, who I deal with? Am I giving them the best of service? And if I'm not, I have to be honest about that. You know, I have to, I have to constantly check in with myself. And that comes back to having those conversations with, with somebody who's in your corner because they give you honest feedback, right? Every single boxer or UFC fighter on the planet always thought that they were the best. But guess what? Every once in a while, they're their coach, you know, gives them the feedback saying, Hey, look, you're really, you're really sucking in this area. We really need to work on that. And, you know, or you have this tendency of like sticking out your chin, that's going to get you knocked out kind of thing. So we all, we do that in, in business too, where we have all kinds of situations that we're facing at any one moment that are, that could be detrimental to us. And we don't see it because we only see life through our own perspective, but the third party perspective of what you are doing can, can enable so much. So I think that's also important in the form of feedback, right? Like if you notice something about somebody else's business, like a glitch on their website or, or something that they can do to improve your experience, if you let them know that, that that's enormously helpful to them. It's not, it's not being disrespectful. It's, I mean, it obviously could be said in a disrespectful way, but at the end of the day, you are helping this person. So getting that feedback for you and, and kind of providing it to others um, is valuable. I want to go back a second, Mark. If that needle is always moving, are we ever fully satisfied? I I haven't found the 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 moment where I I was fully satisfied when I was chasing anything. So I, I feel like generally I have had moments where I'm sitting on the beach in Costa Rica and I'm like, wow, I have everything I've ever wanted. I've done and and basically lived the life where. I've had everything I've ever wanted. And I realize that not everybody has that opportunity. I realize I won the, the genetic lottery or, or the lottery by being born in Canada and, and, you know, to, you know, as a white male, like, I, you know, you couldn't be more empowering, at least from a, from a, you know, a socioeconomic perspective than that. And I realize that that is so fortunate of a scenario. And all I really want to do is give that to everybody. All I really want to do is, is build businesses and organizations and a planet that, that lives in balance with our ecosystems. Because if we don't do that, then, you know, we're going to continue to see this suffering more and more and, and suffering will always exist. You know, there is no such thing as pure white or pure good. There will always be some, some black and negative. Um, and that's the beauty of life. That's the beauty of balance that we're, we're always moving the needle. We always feel like we're moving the needle and, you know, we have to enjoy uh, the successes that we do have along the way. And so when I do have those moments, I always cherish them. Um, but at the same time, I, I tend to be like, no, let's go do more and have bigger impacts. So I'm victim to that just as much as anybody. Now, Mark, give our listeners some actionable stuff here. What do you do to wind down after a long or stressful day? What do I do to wind down after a longer stressful day? I, I generally suck at this, so I'll be honest with that. <laughs> um, to be honest, I, I, I almost depend on other people to be the people who uh, force me to have fun. Um, so I, I like to read. I like to watch documentaries, even though it sounds like that could be stressful in and of itself. I enjoy things like, you know, some 
you know, I don't watch any TV, but I will like watch Game of Thrones. I love to research. Uh, I watch YouTube videos. I really love daily vloggers, uh, people like Gary V. Uh, you know, even though that's business related, it's still very interesting to me. Casey Neistat is a phenomenal filmmaker. I love um, making and telling stories. So I love creating video. I love photography. There's a, there's a, a slew of things um, that I love to do. But in general, I love to explore. Right. I love to, to be in motion and to to be giving it my all from, you know, the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, um, which are trying to stretch for as long as I possibly can. So I'm, I'm very grateful for all of those moments. And, you know, I turn to other people to to remind me to relax. So it sounds like you're not really winding down at all, man. <laughs> no, generally not. Yeah, I'm, I'm very bad at that. Now, we are winding down here. I want to ask you this. What is the one thing you want to share with our listeners about being a socially conscious entrepreneur? I think that's the simple thing I want to say is stop worrying about whether or not somebody is going to see it as valuable or whether or not it makes dollars and cents or whether or not you're going to get funding from some venture capitalist to do this. Start doing it from the heart. Right. Stop. Like sometimes you got to shut off the brain and stop worrying about the, the numbers and the digits on a piece of paper, because at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. The digits are, are, are it's it, it, it has no real impact at the end of the day compared to the impact that you have if you lead with your heart. If you follow your bliss, if you're truly doing what you want to be doing, then do it. But if you're running a business that you feel is like, yeah, this is a good way of making money, but it's not really what I want to do because I'm only making this business so I can make enough money to go do that other thing. Go do that other thing right now. You will find way more success, way more passion, way more energy. You'll feel less tired. You'll wake up invigorated every single day to be able to go and do that. And you will find a way to monetize it. You will find a way to make it financially sustainable because people will feel and bleed your passion. Right? Like they'll, 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 they'll see it oozing out of you and they're, they're going to come up to you saying, how can I help? How can I be a part? Because you're going to tell a very genuine story and that's going to carry and that's going to find all the opportunities that you need and you have to trust that. Do it from the heart. People are going to see, they're going to feel, they're going to hear that authenticity, right? Exactly. And, and don't worry about the numbers again. And I say not just the numbers financially, but even the numbers of other things. Like, you know, sometimes I get caught up in, in like, I, at one point I was running a podcast when I first started. I actually have a podcast now uh, called Superhero Academy. But the when I first started the podcast, one of the reasons I was doing it was to like gain more followers, quote unquote, right? And I wanted like, oh, how many people are downloading? How many people are watching? How many people are this? How many people are that? And now I stopped worrying about how many people are watching. I'm just like, if one person is watching and it impacts that one person, it was totally worth it, right? I'm focusing not on the, on, on the, the, the spread of what I do, right? Not just on like how far it goes, but really more so on the depth of what I impact people with, right? The depth of what they learned from that podcast or from that blog or from that video that I created. So as I focus on creating more depth, I've actually seen more followers. I've seen the results that I wanted. So as opposed to trying to make the clickbait headline that I think everyone's going to click, I write the article that I feel needs to be heard. And that's what people will see and read to be featured on Founder Mag, let's say this, you know, recently. So all of these things happen, not because I'm, I'm chasing them all the time, but because I'm speaking my truth. So yeah, following your heart and do it now. Don't, not later. There's never a better time. It's all, there's always going to be an excuse. Go and do it right now. It's not impossible. It is totally possible. 
Hey, look, I get it, man. With this podcast, I get sucked into that spiral sometimes where I'm just obsessive about how many downloads we have to see, uh, you know, if we're quote unquote successful. But, you know, oftentimes, uh, mostly I want to tell myself just to take a step back and just be grateful for what I have here. Like I get to talk to people like you, Mark, every single day and I get to release these episodes. And like you said, if one person latches onto it and it helps them in their business or in their life, it's all worth it, man. I get it. Exactly. Now, what does the future look like for you and your business, Mark? Um, you know, my, my goal, my dream is to build schools all around the planet, to build eco villages and community centers and off grid schools all over the planet. So, you know, we're starting here in Montreal. We've got, uh, if you visit buildyourwisdom.com or valhallamovement.com, you can go and see the school that we've self-designed. So I actually opened up an architectural firm uh, in the last couple of months that uh, I didn't even talk about on this on this show. But, you know, we designed and self-designed buildings uh, with architects and engineers, um, you know, to build these schools and, and to have these designs be flexible to be built anywhere in the world. So we're building one on the 66-acre piece of land that we've reclaimed from a GMO corn and soy field into now an eco-paradise. And slowly but surely, every single week, we plant more and more trees and more and more bushes, and we and we we teach more and more people, and more and more people come for mentorships or come to boot camps and stuff and amazing things. And, and you know, so over time now, what I'm doing is expanding that beyond just my hometown. You know, so, you know, this winter... I ended up going to Costa Rica, for example, and I'm going back again. And I ended up finding a piece of land that, uh, you know, has like a kind of the startup of an eco village that's good, that's coming together. It's a great community center. Uh, and, and so I'm going to aid that development in Costa Rica. And we actually now made uh, Valhalla Costa Rica. So we're actually going to start a community down in Costa Rica. And then, you know, I'm going and doing another boot camp and a, and a kind of training session down in Australia. And so we're going to start Valhalla Australia. And really all I'm doing is going there and planting a flag and then saying, hey guys, take care of it. Like, this is your flag. It's not my project. It's your project. People don't realize that they see it as my, my movement or my business. It's not. Even though I started, even though I'm one of the people who champions it, I'm just a messenger, right? The movement carries on and it moves through. And, and that's where, you know, you see religions and all these things do the same thing. There's no one person who owns a religion. It's just people subscribe to it and they, they subscribe to the values of that, of that mindset and of that movement. And so our movement is all about sustainability, community, knowledge, and action, or that knowledge and action piece, what I would call wisdom. And so proliferating that wisdom and, 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 you know, making people not only learn the things that they want to learn um, and be empowered with the different knowledges of how things like solar panels and stuff work, uh, but also how they can build world-changing businesses. You know, Superhero Academy is all about teaching entrepreneurs to do that and supporting those entrepreneurs in all these different ways. So whether it be in person, whether they come and join us in Costa Rica or in Australia or in Montreal, whether it be online with the online classes that we have, you know, I've filmed 30 classes at this point on a variety of different topics and, you know, another at least 27 are on deck, I believe. So, you know, that I'm filming week after week. So, um, you know, I have a whole bunch of guest teachers and amazing people and learning from them as well. So it's just building these schools all over the planet and, and building them one step at a time, one, one person at a time. Mark, the vision sounds big and bold. If people want to learn more about it, how can they connect with you? The best way is, to, you know, you can check out superheroacademy.net. Uh, you can learn more about the school. It will also connect to the Valhalla movement and build your wisdom uh, and all of that. Um, and you know, they can also listen to a podcast. So if you're a podcast, uh, enthusiast, as you surely are, if you're listening to this, you know, search <laughs> superhero Academy 
in the iTunes store or on SoundCloud. You, sh- you can download a whole bunch of episodes, uh, you know, just released on Collective Evolution, which is a, you know, a really great network and, and friends of ours out in Toronto and running an amazing, amazing uh, group of people and website there. So, you know, lots of amazing guests. Uh, in the past, I had 42 uh, you know, the episodes. And now I've got another, uh, you know, basically it's endless at this point. There's going to be a new episode every week, every Monday. Uh, so you can learn more there and you, you can, you know, dive into all of that stuff, of course. Sorry, the podcast is called Superhero Academy. That's it? Superhero Academy. Yeah. If you just, you know, Google or, or search on iTunes or SoundCloud, Superhero Academy. Love it. Thank you for your time today, Mark. We appreciate you spending some of it with us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. You take care. Thanks so much. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to Bidzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at Bidzy.com. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. Go to Bidzy.com for information and resources on how you can grow your business. Support Bidzy Small Business Society by writing a review and giving us a five-star rating in iTunes. Your positive review and five-star rating will allow us to continue bringing you free, valuable content from amazing and inspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Rate and review Bidzy Small Business Society today. 